Welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 878. The legacy of a life well lived is a story told that touched lives. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. I'm revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest, Stefan Moran. Hey, Stefan, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? I wouldn't even think about getting in a car without my seatbelt and let alone get along with you with that one on either. Well, I think our listeners will understand this a little bit more. I, I hope that Stefan's not uh, relying or thinking back to my driving, a lack of driving expertise when it comes to having to wear a seatbelt, but you'll get the rest of the message in just a minute here. Dr. Stefan Moran is a fellow of the American College of Surgeons and a member of the Association for the Advancement of Automotive medicine. In addition, he is certified in surgical critical care by the American Board of Surgery and is an instructor of advanced trauma life support. Stefan is an expert in the field of head injury from auto collisions, chest computed tomography, and motor vehicle collision blunt aortic injury. He is dedicated to research and automotive safety and has worked with the Mercedes-Benz Crash Injury Research and Engineering Network Center. Volvo Cars of North America chose Dr. Moran as a leading physician in the multimedia celebration for the 50th anniversary of the three-point seatbelt at the New York Auto Show. He was also an expert witness examining the issues of seatbelts and school buses following that tragic 2006 school bus accident in Huntsville, Alabama. So, Stefan, I have told our listeners just a little bit about you. Would you take a brief moment to share a little bit more about your career and your passion for automobiles? Thank you, Mark. It's an honor to be talking with you today. As far back as I can remember, there's been two things in my life that I've been passionate about. And the very first thing was I had just had a complete fascination with medicine and the human body. And the very first book I ever got was the How and Why book series. I don't know if you remember those from when we were a kid. And mine was on the human body. And I just, I'm the first physician in the family. There was nobody else involved in medicine in the family. But I always knew I was going to be a surgeon. And my parents were just, they had, really don't know where that came from. But I just always knew that. And then my second passion early on was for cars. Anything about cars, new cars, loud cars, fast cars, cool cars that my pilot father and all his pilot buddies were driving around. Immediately, I had those two passions for the automobile and for um, surgery. And did all the work, the studies, got into medical school. Always had the passion for automobiles. Kind of had to take a backseat, but always watched car racing, working on my own cars. And then I got a great break and was able to go to the University of Alabama. So I got out of my military service and do automotive research for four years. And that just completely melded everything together. And now my focus is on taking care of the injured patient. And now I want to put myself out of business and <laughs> teach people about being safer in cars. Yeah. So whether I'm operating, saving a life, or turning a wrench, I get satisfaction from all of it. Well, this is very interesting, and that's why I was... Very excited to have you on the show here. In our pre-show chat, I mentioned a good friend of mine, Bill. Shout out to Bill, who's a neurosurgeon. And, you know, it's funny when you said you get to wrench and operate on people. Bill always talks to him or 
explains to me that he's really just a, a mechanic. He works under the hood. In his case, the hood is the skull of somebody when he's working on someone's brain or their uh, their back or whatever it might be. But it's such an important part of our lives, and cars have become so much more safe over time, which is great. But there's still the human factor involved, and uh, those of people out there that get in a car and don't put their seatbelt on, I always shake my head a little bit. But I think we're going to learn a lot more as we journey on this life track that you've chosen of combining your passion for cars and helping people in medicine and surgery and making things safer. But first, I always like to ask my guests for a success quote or some kind of mantra, something that has some meaning to you. It's a nice way to get the inspirational tires turning here on Cars, yeah? So, Stefan, take the wheel. All right. So I, had to, I thought about this and we have a lot of sayings in medicine and different mantras about our patients and how they get to us. But the years of trauma surgery has, you, know, you, you can't, you can't lie that it changes your way of thinking, taking care of people at, at injury, people are trying to die, saving lives, the tragedy, the despair. But in thinking about that into my career, I feel like people a lot of times say, oh, you've had such a lucky career. You've had things come your way. And I see, I see patients talk about, oh, we're so lucky that, that little Johnny is going to survive. Well, if little Johnny hadn't been drinking and wearing a seatbelt, he, he would be doing better. And I don't know <laughs> yeah. if it's necessarily luck. Yeah. But I, I feel like the thing that I've learned in life that chasing opportunities creates lucky circumstances. And I put the luck in quotation marks. And I feel like, in my life, any little opportunity where I can perhaps contribute, make a difference, I don't hesitate to get my foot in the door, shake a hand, introduce myself, and it's amazing what comes your way. And you mentioned the New York Auto Show. Um, Gino Effler was the was in charge of PR um, with Mercedes-Benz, and I was with the Siren Network at UAB. He had me speak for MPG, which is a motorcycle skill, the Western Automotive Journalist, the Phoenix Area Automotive Group, and... I kept in touch with Gino over the years, and I last spoke for him in 2003 at MPG. And lo and behold, six years later, Gino calls me to ask if I would be their speaker with Volvo at the 2009 New York Auto Show. So was that luck? No, that was not luck at all, but that was me constantly chasing opportunities. And I, and I tell my kids this. Just constantly seek these opportunities out. If you see an opportunity, just get your foot in the door and... It won't be luck when you get that call down the road. So that's how I've tried to live my life. And here we are today. I'm speaking to you. This is, you know, this is awesome. This is, but it's not lucky in circumstances chasing opportunities. And my good buddy, Dr. Steve Schutz, he's an automotive journalist. And you know what? I love, I love Mark's podcast. I'm just going to send him an email and look where we are today. That's not luck. That's Steve O chasing opportunity. That's me chasing opportunity. That's what life is. And here we are. I know. It's so cool. When your buddy sent me that email, in fact, it was late on a Sunday night, I think. I was checking emails and I went, oh, this is cool. Here's a guy who really doesn't have anything to do with the automotive field, but listens to my podcast, has a good friend who's a surgeon that is involved in the automotive industry and helping folks that have been in accidents. And you're right. You know, there's a great saying, and I think it's attributed to the Roman philosopher Seneca. Luck is what happens when preparation meets opportunity. And I've always considered that. People have always talked to me about, oh, Mark, you're always so lucky. You're always so lucky. I say, I don't think so. I think it's just that I'm always looking for that opportunity. And those opportunities come to us when we are aware 
and prepared, even more importantly. So I'm glad you brought that up, and I'm glad your buddy connected us today so that we can share some of your inspiration with my listeners. Well, let's go back in time. You sent me a very cool picture of, I think you said it was your uh, babysitter, Italian babysitter, who was with you and looks like maybe your brother. You were skating on the street. There was two cool cars in the driveway. And I always ask my guests, is there a pivotal moment in your life when you knew you were a car guy? Looks like you had some car people in your life. Yeah, that picture is a great picture. Here we are on little strap-on roller skates, steel wheels, no helmets, no elbow pads, no knee pads. <laughs> I know. <laughs> like like we talked in our pre uh, in our prep conversation, it's amazing that we actually survived childhood and adolescence, especially the boys, because yeah. there was just trouble around every corner. In that picture, there's a um, there's a fastback Mustang, which my father bought for my mother, and there's a Sunbeam Alpine. And my mother's French. My dad was a pilot in the Air Force, stationed at Ever Air Force Base. And I was actually born in France in 1961. We moved back to the U.S. in 1964. And my mother being French, of course, she drove a Dishabeau. And for the listeners, that most of them probably know, but the little Citroen Dishabeau that has, it has this base, it has two horsepower, basically. Yeah, tiny little little translation. (laughs) Yeah. Tiny motor, but they're just a great car. But so here she comes to America, and my father gets her Ford Mustang with a V8 and a stick shift. And we lived we lived in a neighborhood, and you had to come out of the neighborhood. This is, and she had to take a left hand turn. And I had we had my brother and I in the white had white seats in the back. She'd come out of that neighborhood trying to take a left hand turn. I mean, she was constantly squealing those tires, letting the rear end loose. <laughs> we would hear, ooh, la, la, oh, and everything. I just remember my brother and I just giggling all the time. Yeah. And I think that really got me going and just absolutely loving everything about cars. And then taking that back a generation, my French grandmother, as are many people in France, was just passionate about F1. And I remember going to France as a kid, and we didn't watch F1 in, in the United States, but they watch it over there and my grandmother would watch it. And we actually, her nickname was Fangio because we thought she drove really <laughs> fast and everybody called her Fangio. Wow. She would take me to car museums in France and I'll never forget, we were coming back from visiting this animal park and the Bentley boys were taking all the Bentleys back. They'd been at Le Mans for the races. They were taking the antique the Bentleys back and she pulled over and actually introduced me to these guys and I was young she didn't know, but she knew I loved cars. And I really, if I could just have a photo of that, just remember those guys. That was just an opportunity. And wow. she um, provided that. And so those little things have just always got that passion in me for the car. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, you think of your mom coming from France, where in cities, a lot of the streets are very small. She comes to America with these big, wide highways, jumps in a basically a car that looks like something that Steve McQueen drove in Bullet. A stick shift, ooh la la, indeed, and then a grandmother with a nickname Fangio. Oh my gosh, what a what a fun childhood! Ah, oh, this is fantastic. Well, Stefan, I want to take a look at some of the many roads you've driven down. Being in the field of medicine is fraught with ups and downs, challenges. You're dealing with trauma patients. I mean, you just never know what's going to come through those doors next with accidents and things that happen. I would assume you've faced many challenges, maybe some failures along the way. Is there one you could share with us? Us that gave you a lot of lessons that you could carry forward and, and help others in the future with those lessons that you learned? Yes. One of the things I've learned in trauma is 
the taking care of the patient who's got multiple injuries, it, it's not the doctor at the head of the table. It's, it's the doctor's team. It's, it's like your pit crew in racing. You've got your car manager, you've got your car chief, you've got your spotter. And in trauma, to take care of this patient who comes in who's just broken from head to toe, who's trying to die, a doctor can't take care of that patient solo. And you've got to have a team approach to trauma care. And two, I think there's really been two pivotal moments um, in me understanding this team approach to life, which we can apply to other things. I remember I was in eighth grade taking French class. And, of course, you know, <laughs> French was a no-brainer for me, speaking fluent French. And, you know, but I needed to learn to write, learn to actually read it and, and speak proper grammar. And there was this gorgeous senior girl in the class, and I was kind of a little bit of a hand in the class. And she pulled me aside one day, and she said, you know, Stefan, if you would just, just listen to people instead of just telling them about you, and just listen to some people on time to time. She said, you'll have a lot more friends than you'll, she said, you will do wonderful in life. Wow. I really took, I took that to heart. And then my four, I, I did six years of training for general surgery and then followed that on with another year of critical care and trauma. But my fourth year, I got promoted early to being the trauma chief. They just kind of singled me out to do trauma. And we had our nurse practitioner, she pulled me aside one day in the middle of my fourth year. And she said, Stefan, she says, the nurses, think so highly of you. Your patients have the, have really great outcomes. You care about your patients. She says, you can be a little rough and brutal with the nurses. And she said, if you were to just simply step back and realize these nurses, if you can make them your friends and make them your followers, they will take even better care of your patients. Mm. And she said, don't be so hostile and so condescending. So I learned, you know, I learned that in, in the and really, my patient care improved. But the bigger lesson in life was I get fewer phone calls at night mm. from the nurses. They're not, you know, they're not, they're not calling me to harass me. Yeah. So they're, and I really found those two things. And what that really comes down is to, we'll talk a little bit towards the end, is, is one of my final thoughts and mantras is mm. respect. And, you know, I developed that respect for my team and my nurses and realized that together, not me, but together, we can make a difference. Yeah, the old uh, there's no I in team comes to mind, but uh, I think the bigger lesson, you had two ladies there in your life, one in, was that high school or junior high when that young woman took you aside? I was I was actually eighth grade taking classes at the high school level. Okay, so two women there that gave you incredible life lessons in leadership that in the case of an eighth grader is kind of beyond her years in, in many ways, but, and the same in your uh, trauma center there to uh, work with that team. And you had some very valuable people in your lives that uh, definitely made a big improvement uh, for how you respond and work around people and definitely helped your life. So lucky you, right? <laughs> in the case of there's that lucky word again, but uh, fortunate, I should say, very fortunate. I do. I would like to add one. I thought I'd interrupt you. I've also got to give credit, you know, of course, to my parents and my wife. Mm-hmm. And it's funny, as a trauma surgeon, we live in this intensity and I have to make rapid decisions and I'm, and sometimes I get, I can get pretty fired up at times and I have to give my wife a lot of credit too because my, one of my partners nicknamed her my thermostat. Um, <laughs> she, you know, before I hit that send button on an email or if I need to discuss something with somebody, I can always count on my wife to bring me down back to the middle. And 
I think that's great. But again, it goes back to what you said, having great people around you who can kind of give you a check and balance and you can lean on them a little bit and get their advice. And uh, most of the time they have great advice. So, and you're fortunate you married a great woman, it sounds like, which uh, definitely is a plus for every man or vice versa. Well, let's shift gears and go to the other end of the spectrum. I'd love for you to share what I call a career aha moment. Is there one that stands out for you? There sure is. You know, for, I spent my career taking care of people that have been injured, getting them put back together. And sometimes we win and sometimes we lose. And what I've seen and realized that it just doesn't matter how safer we make the cars. We need a fundamental change in this country in driver behavior. And, yes. I, and to me, the parallel is the same. If you look at, if you look at the way NASCAR guys will use their car as a weapon when they're mad and hit another car, if you look at if you look, the recent Formula One with Vettel versus Lewis Hamilton, he bumped them, you know, 50 in 1950 through the 70s during the killing years of, of Formula One and NASCAR. People would never, ever have thought to do that with their vehicle because they're going to get injured. Right. And our, our cars today are so safe. I feel like people have this very false sense of security about the vehicle that the vehicle is just going to take care of them and so when I was at the UAB Siren Center doing all my research, that was the aha moment that, you know, cars are safe. We have got to change human behavior, the way people think about it. And so that's when I started going out, what I call preaching the message about automotive safety, letting people know the facts and how hopefully if I can get one or two kids not to text and drive, if I can get somebody to put a seatbelt on that doesn't wear a seatbelt, I can change the way an older driver drives their car then yeah, I'm putting myself out of business, but that's what I want to do right now is I want to change human behavior so they so I never have to see them in the ER. Yeah, well, very well said and very noble cause for sure. And you're right, uh, so many accidents these days are because of silly, dumb things people do, inattentive things, whatever that might be. So uh, uh, we're very happy that you're on that path. I would assume your career has been filled with many proud moments. You've saved lives, you've helped people, you've healed people, um, set people in the right direction. What you're doing with uh, car safety is extremely, extremely important. But is there one moment that stands out for you as a very proud moment you could share with us? I do. I do want to step back in one time. Um, you used the word an accident. And, uh, you know, people like to call them motor vehicular accidents. If you're driving drunk and you crash, that's not an accident. That's a, that's a crash. That's a collision. That's a crash. You know, if you're looking at your phone and go through a stop sign, that's not an accident. And when you really look at motor vehicle collisions, you know, an accident is driving down the road, getting struck by lightning in your car and running off the road. Okay. That's an accident. Right. You blow out a, you blow out, you blow out a car tire because you never checked your tire pressure. That's not an accident. So, <laughs> but didn't tell you my first moment. I can tell you honestly, when I got to speak for the Motor Press Guild on, in 2003, I got all my research that I'd done, this aha moment of wanting to teach people about safety, change the way that people get to think about cars. And I've been doing this to doctors and medical students, but to get to go in front of the automotive press and the, the reception I got was absolutely tremendous. And I've actually got it hanging on my wall in my little wall of glory. I'm down to four things on that wall of glory. And that MPG cover newsletter is, is right there front and center. And, um, 
that was really for me what I would say my automotive moments. Oh, well, congratulations for that. It's absolutely fantastic. And I'm I'm glad you brought that up accident versus crash collision cuz you know you're right. So many of these things you see could have been avoided if you'd just been paying attention, just been smart, just done something different. I would say probably nine out of 10 because lightning doesn't hit cars too often. That's for sure. <laughs> Not that I've heard of. Well, let's have a little bit of fun and go back in time and talk about your first really special car. Is there a car that you have really fond memories of, that first one that had some meaning for you? Sure. There's a couple cars. Now, I have to mention it. My doctor mentor, um, he finally finished, had a real job. He went to trade in his car and they, they kind of laughed at him. And he's like, okay, fine. I know who would love to have this car. And so in 1979, Dr. Steve Bryan brought me a 1973 pale yellow two-door Vega station wagon. And the only thing holding it together was the fake wood paneling. <laughs> it was it was a complete rust bucket. But you know what? It was wheels. It was, it was my own wheels. Yeah. And that car... I have so many memories in that, but the first truly, really special car, um, I was driving home. I was a third year resident. I'd been beat up. I was into my fourth year training, hadn't had time to just do much of anything. Feeling a little sorry for myself. I was having a birthday and I'm driving home and there is a 1960 bug eyed Sprite in Corvette yellow parked on the side of the road in the sale sign. Ah. And I stopped and bought that car. Oh yeah. <laughs> I bought it. I bought it. I just was like, I need this car. And, oh, we had so much fun in that car. But um, my wife had to push it one too many times because it it would (laughs) break down and the Lucas Electronics. And I ended up selling it. But that car was, that was really, that was something else. I enjoyed that car. Oh, how fun. Well, the Mighty Vega. Oh, yes. I remember those. (laughs) Right akin with the Pintos and some other cars of that area. But this is a strange coincidence because... The last guest on Cars, yeah, just before your show, was David Silberkleit. And David owns a place, or he's known as the Bug Eye Guy. And he has a, a shop where he restores and builds Bug Eye Sprites. So it's so funny that you mentioned a Bug Eye. I'll have to connect you two guys, or you can check out his website, thebugeyeguy.com. Uh, he's a specialist in those. And I think he sold over 200 of those cars since he started his little shop uh, about 10 years ago. So. Very, very funny. Yeah, great little cars. Such character in those things. But, you know, that's why my dad got rid of his MGTC. My mom was tired of push bumps starting that car, too. She said, that's it. We're getting a real car. Get get rid of this thing. I hate it. So what about seller's remorse? Is there a vehicle you've owned that you wish you had back in your garage? I've, got, I've kind of got two remorses. Um, one is it didn't have and one is it had. So mm-hmm. I took care of Jack Rouse and he had his airplane crash back in 2000. I was his trauma surgeon at the University of Alabama. And the first race back was Dover for Jack. So flew out to my parents and Jack came to the house and we had dinner. Just had a wonderful evening. And then I went to the race with with Jack the next day. And we're sitting up in Mark Martin's holler and Jack's kind of reminiscing about his his wreck. And he, he really understood that he'd truly been given a second chance in life. Mm-hmm. And um, he knew we had talked about cars, and he know, he knew that I had owned a Shelby Cobra replica and sold it after the kids all burnt their legs on the side pipes. And just, <laughs> oh, yeah. Just, it, it, just, it was just not a good time for, to have, for me to have that car with three young kids. Yeah. 
And Jack had an autocraft Mark IV that he had actually put a NASCAR engine in it. Whoa. And uh, he asked what he could do for me. I said, I'd, I'd like to buy this car from you, Jack. He goes, well, I don't sell my cars during my museum. He said, yeah, but I want this car. And so he made me a price, but it was at a time where financially I couldn't, I couldn't afford the price of that car. So uh-huh. I missed out on that one. So that's the one that, that would be the one vehicle. And then I did end up selling that Shelby Cobra replica that I had that I'd put all braided lines in it, mm. competition dash and really had it a sweet looking car. And yeah. So I, I, I really missed that car. But so, so two remorses offer Cobra, which is once snake bit, always snake. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Of course, I've had a lot of folks on the show here that build those things, including uh, Lance Stander from Superformance. I can connect you with him. He could put you in a very cool Superformance Cobra of all different kinds of makes. He uh, he builds, he and Hillbank and Superformance build some amazing cars. I got to go down there a few months ago and drive them, including their uh, GT40 which was a blast to drive on wow, the street. Wow, I'll bet, yeah. Uh, it definitely just feels like a race car. I mean, it's what it is, but uh, very, very cool. Well, let's talk about today and tomorrow. I'd love for you to share a little bit more with our listeners about your career in medicine and how that applies to car safety and anything you want to share there that might enlighten our listeners about car safety and, uh, and what you do for a living of uh, helping people uh, keep their lives. Number one thing I can tell people is, you know, people think, well, I've got all these airbags. We're only at about, we're about 90% seatbelt usage rate in this country. So we still have got that final 10% that we've got to put their seatbelts on. Cars are designed where the seatbelt really is, is the number one safety feature in a vehicle. Everything else augments the function of the belt. So if you don't have a seatbelt on, you only have airbags and you get, then you can get injuries as well because you're not functioning in the vehicle the way you're supposed to. But I think really the biggest issue we have today facing our drivers and, you know, you go to the restaurant, there's a couple on a date looking at their phone. You go to the store, people in line looking at their phones, nobody's talking. And um, just put your phone down and drive. Just drive <laughs> the car. Yeah. Put your phone down. Right now, they really, we've realized that the number one issue with Motor vehicle collisions is distracted driving, and yeah, it's about nine about nine deaths a day and a thousand crashes a day, all related to distracted driving. And I think the what I want get people to realize is is when your text tone goes off on your phone and your or you hear that ring, you get this little dopamine surge. Damn, ooh, I feel good. Some somebody wants somebody loves me. <laughs> well, what that does is that little surge actually your brain turns off literally for five seconds and you're kind of thinking about that phone. You're going for that phone and you quit looking at the road Yeah. and go down the road and you can tell who's on their phone or talking. They're swerving. They're fast. They're slow. Yep. But when that text tone goes off, if you're, if you're going down the interstate at 55 miles an hour, you'll travel about 120 yards in the length of a football field of which you have zero visual recollection of what was around you at that time. Yeah, scary. And, you know, like my, my one of my automotive car buddies, he's a nurse surgeon like your friend, Dr. Joel Pickett, he says, you know, you never know when your next breath is going to be your last. Put down the phone and drive the car. Words of wisdom, and I noticed on my last phone upgrade, a, a box popped up on my phone that said, do you want to uh, enact or put in place a, a silence feature for when your phone's in motion. So your phone can notice that you're in a car going and it won't make any sounds. No alerts will pop up. Let me guess, you bought the brand new Apple phone? 
Well, it was the upgrade on my Apple phone. I don't have the new one yet, but I love, I love, but yeah, the upgrade, uh, to the new operating system and it popped right up and I looked at it and my first inclination was nah. And I looked at it and I thought for a second, I went, you know, that's a smart thing because you're right. I'm guilty of it too. My phone, I, I don't use it while I'm driving, but it's sitting there and when it goes off, you hear it. And your brain does something and you want to look at it. And you know you should. And during that time, if you're on the freeway, you're right. You've traveled a lot of feet that somebody could have uh, darted in front of you or slammed on their brakes and you could end up in an accident. And frankly, that's why I stopped riding motorcycles because it seemed like everybody was out to kill me. You mentioned people out to kill you. You know, I, I don't – people talk about defensive driving. No, no. I I tell my kids – I want you to be an offensive driver, okay? Yes. You have to drive your car like everybody out there is trying to kill you. Is that car coming from your right going to stop? Is this person coming out of the grocery store? Are they looking? Right. Don't look at the car ahead of you. Be like a race car driver. Look through the car mm-hmm. and the car in front of that one. Do you see that when they see those brake lights go off, you can already be prepared. So exactly. And, and with distracted driving, there are more and more people out there that are passive, not actively, but they are passively trying to kill you. And um, I agree. And, you know, Apple's been very slow to put that feature in their operating system. And mm. I'm a huge Apple fan, and I saw your picture with your big iMac in the back, and I've got nothing but Apple. Yeah. But finally, and I just wish they'd have done this 10 years ago. Finally, they've done it. They're they're late to market with that, but finally. Yeah, at least. So, well, very good words of wisdom. I know all my listeners out there are very smart people, and they're all nodding in their heads going, oh, I already knew that. I knew that. But are you doing it? Do it. Because I want you guys to be around hearing my shows four, five, ten years from now. Okay? So, uh, yeah, put your phone down and drive. Well, here's a very introspective question for you, Stefan. If you were a car, what kind of car would you be and why? Oh, that's the... I would be I would be a 427 Street Cobra in British Racing Green. Oh, I've been called spirited as, as a polite <laughs> way of describing uh, my take on life. And uh-huh. you know, to me, the Cobra is it's a beautiful car, especially the street version. Yeah, undercar exhaust, and but underneath is a is a monster engine just ready to grab the road and and burn some rubber. And, I would definitely, you know, I'm snake bit to the core. It's just the Cobra is it for me. <laughs> yeah, they're beautiful, beautiful cars for sure. Well, Safan, up next is the last lap. But before we put the pedal to the metal, let's say thank you to today's Cars Yeah sponsors. What's the worst thing for your car's interior? No, it's not that milkshake the kid spilled in the back seat. It's the sun. Harmful UV rays cook your automobile's interior hour after hour when it's parked outside, even on a cloudy day. What's the solution? Covercraft sunscreens. They protect your dash, seats, and interior finishes from those damaging UV rays while keeping the interior temperature tolerable, even on the hottest summer days. No more painfully sizzling seats and steering wheels for you. They unfold quickly and easily install, stay where you put them, and are custom patterned for an exact fit. The foam core acts as a cooling insulator. And you can get yours in different colors and finishes. And they even fold up easily and store under your seat or on the floor. I've used Covercraft sunscreens for years, and they are a fast and easy solution that protect my beloved cars when they're not in the garage. Learn more and order yours at Covercraft.com. Want to protect your entire vehicle? Get a car cover from Covercraft. They have those too. 
That's Covercraft.com. And tell them Mark sent you. If you own collector cars and still have a little bit of money left over, congratulations. You're ahead of most people. But what should you do with the money you don't spend on cars? Talk to Chris Kimball, Certified Financial Planner Practitioner. For over 20 years, he's been helping people just like you and me with their financial planning and investments. And he's a car guy, too. Call 253-722-PLAN. Or you can view his website at www.chrisvkimble.com. Make sure your investments are running on all eight cylinders, or 12, or 16. Securities through Money Concepts Capital Corp. Member, Finra Sipic. All right, Stefan, we are back, and we're entering the last lap. You've watched enough races to know what that means. The white flag's out. Time to put our foot into it. And I'm going to ask you a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some very quick blips of the throttle answers. So here we go. What's the best automotive advice you've ever received? I would have to say my parents making me put my seatbelt on as a kid. Um, I, you know, I think it's just the whole safety issue. Put that seatbelt on, and it's so funny to put the seatbelt on. When I took my oldest daughter for her first ride in the Cobra, the kids by that time we're wearing helmets everywhere and she got put her in the car seat in my cobra in the front seat she's going daddy no 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 my helmet my helmet because <laughs> she'd never been in a convertible before so oh. so it comes back to you know put your seat belt on and and if you're going to be a track day put your even if it's just a cruise and track day put your helmet on yep absolutely be safe. be safe for sure now would you share one of your personal habits you believe has helped contribute to your successes over the years you know, as a, as a trauma surgeon, as a surgeon, I'm constantly trying to create order out of chaos. You know, one of my friends told me that these broken patients come to us and, and he said, no, think of it as Christmas because you don't know what you're going to get when you open up inside and what you got to fix and how you <laughs> oh got to fix it. Wow. <laughs> but so I look at, I look at everything that I do in life. How can I do it faster, better and cheaper? And, but what I mean by cheaper is upcycling. Sun breaks in my house, uh, uh, one of my vehicles that I've got to get rid of or anything. I take it apart and save all the little pieces that I know one day that I can make something with this or I can fix something. So, and I fix people faster. I try to, how can I get them off the operating table? What technique can I use? And then how can I actually be conscious of not wasting supplies in the operating? So faster, better, cheaper. That's kind of my, how I approach life head on. Very nice. Now, is there a resource out there that you think our listeners could learn a lot from? I'll tell you, you know, a little bit of knowledge is a dangerous thing. And, um, you know, my, my patients come to me of already having read the Internet. But I tell you, I, I absolutely love YouTube. It's just I find I got to change. The, I want to change the rotors on my truck. And I've never done it. I've done a lot of stuff. But I'm going to go to YouTube and I'm going to look it up. And by God, I'm going to try it out. You know, what? and if I fail, it's still cheaper taking it down to the car place and trying it myself. So I just I just. You know, I heard um, Bruce Kanepa said, you know, Google, I think he said Google. And for me, it's, it, you, Google's a close second, but I just love YouTube because you can see it. If you can, we always say in medicine, see one, do one, teach one. And YouTube is that see one. 
Well, and YouTube is owned by Google, so it's all the same thing there in some go. respect. But, oh, yes, I've learned so many cool things for how to fix stuff around the house, how to fix things in cars, how to do simple things in cars that didn't look so simple, but turns out they were by watching YouTube. I think you can even watch all sorts of surgery. I've watched surgeries on YouTube. I mean, it's just, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's just incredible. Yeah, awesome, awesome resource, resource right in the palm of your hand. Now, if I could arrange for you to have a drink... With anyone in the automotive industry or field, living or deceased, who would that be? Mark, I'll bet you can already guess who I'm going to answer. <laughs> <laughs> Shelby, I mean, I have all the books and I've read and seen the story so many times of how when he wanted to beat Enzo Ferrari so bad when, and and with the Ford's family and being wanting to beat. And just, I would love to sit down with a couple of drinks at his Texas ranch with a Cobra in the background and just hear him. Just to hear, just to see him get excited and, and just to, just feel that energy of, of that when he beat him in, in the, the Cobras and then in the GTs. I would just, that to me would be a, just a fabulous story. Yeah. What a character. Now, have you had a chance to visit, uh, Shelby American in Las Vegas? I have not. I've only been to Vegas once and it was, I, I, I flew in and, um, and flew out the next day. I was speaking and I did not have time to get there, but that is definitely, that is a bucket list item. Well, you'll have to listen to Gary Patterson, who's VP of uh, that business, and he is an awesome guy. He was a guest here on the show, and I'm sure he'd be happy next time you're in Vegas to uh, show you around and just tell him Mark sent you, and he'll put a big smile on your face for sure. That's for sure. And how about a book? Is there a book you've read you think our listeners would enjoy? I'll tell you, man. I'm just going to write David E. Davis, Peter Egan, Peter Brock, Paul Frere, and Uh, then – and and Professor Sid Watkins, Life at the Limit, if you love Formula One. But I, I know a lot of your former guests have mentioned this book, but there's very few books that I've picked up and the world stops until I'm done with that book. And that was The Art of Racing the Rain by Garstock. <laughs> I was so enamored with that book taken that I went and bought multiple copies and sent them to all my car buddies. Nice. Um, it just, I just, that book was just, oh, it's just, it's just a wonderful book. It's a story. It's cars, it's life, it's tragedy, it's hope, it's everything wrapped into a book. Yeah, Gar Stein was a guest here as well, and I got a chance to meet him at a book signing up in Seattle. He was driving his Alpha GTV. He's got a beautiful, deep purple-colored Alpha. Really nice guy. He came on the show, and my listeners have heard this over and over, but that book is the most recommended book here on Cars, yeah. Only second to, uh, or only A.J. Bames' Go Like Hell, The Cobra Ferrari Wars, of course. Uh, speaking of Cobras, is the second most recommended book. Yeah, we all want to see a movie come out for that. And then even Garth said, I, I want to see that movie too. So uh, yeah, I bet he does. maybe they'll make one someday. Well, listeners, you can find links to all these great resources that Stefan has shared with us today on his show notes page. Just go to carsyad.com, type in Stefan Moran, M-O-R-A-N. But at any rate, you can find all these great resources, including this book on Stefan's Show notes page. All right, we're up to the checkered flag. This is the fun one. Now, I kind of think I know how we're going to answer this question, but you can surprise me like so many people do. I'm going to buy you any cool car in the world today. doesn't matter what it is. It's a collector car, so this is the fun one in your garage. Money's no object, of course, here on Cars Yeah, so what's it going to be? Well, and I know you know it's going to be, but I've got a little twist on it. Okay, Okay. all right. Well, first of all, it's the one I could that got away because of the provenance that would have come with the story of Jack and I. But so the car that, that you're going to buy from me, and I'm, I'm, I just can't wait to see Carrier's 
pull up in their semi and roll out of the back. <laughs> but it's the, um, it would be a, a Shelby Cobra, but I'd want a 427 street. The exhaust has got to come under the car right in front of the rear tires. I want hip fenders. I don't want flared fenders. I want a competition dash. I know that doesn't go with street, but I love the competition dash with the reverse speedo. I got to have the square tail lights. I don't want the four round ones. No hood scoop. And I know I'm a trauma surgeon, but I, I don't want a roll cage. I, I'll be careful. I'll be, I promise I'll be careful. Yeah. And, um, but the thing that I want is I wanted to come from Bruce, um, Canapa because I oh. want him <laughs> to do his resto mod magic. The things that he does with these older cars, they just tweak them so they drive better. And not that they're actually going to be a safer vehicle, but his little twist. So just. Because I'm not, I'll never get rid of this car, so I want that, and I'm going to drive this car like Irv Gordon. I don't think I'll put three million miles on this like he did his 1956 Volvo P1800. Oh yeah, <laughs> but I'm going to drive. I am going to drive this car all over the place constantly. It's not going it, to. It's not going to be parked in the garage looking pretty. Oh, Bruce Canepa. Yeah, yeah uh-huh. well, you picked uh, a f- expensive car and a guy who charges a pretty penny to do the work right, but his. Right. His work is top notch. I've been to his shop many times. I've seen and driven cars that he's put together. He and his, his very talented team. Yeah, uh, I don't think you could get any better than that. So I will get to work. What color would you like that car to be? British racing green. Oh, that's British okay. racing. British green. racing. Okay. Well, yeah. I will get to work on that. Oh my goodness! There goes the there goes the food budget for next month for sure. <laughs> Stefan, oh, oh, you're, you're doing great. If it's just your month, your food budget for the <laughs> yeah. month. Wow. <laughs> I'm eating too much is the problem here. Well, Stefan, you've taken me on an awesome ride today. I really enjoyed getting to know you better. I want to thank you for sharing your automotive journey with me and the listeners. Could you offer us one parting piece of wisdom or guidance from a guy who's kind of seen it all before you drive off into the sunset in that very special Canapa-built Cobra 427? Well, as uh, my buddy, Dr. Schutz, in one of his things, you know, you want to end life where your tummy just says, man, he was a great guy. And my saying that I kind of piggyback onto that is, and it's not really until that you hit 49 where you start to look at life very differently. And especially the backside of 50, you start to realize that there's, there's just more than you in life. And it's very easy to treat patients, but it's really hard to make that extra effort to heal. And so kind of my parting thought is, I've really found this five, what I call the five R's of, of a successful life journey in team building. And the three came from John Rosen, who's a famous psychologist who wrote a book, Making the Terrible Teeth Terrific. But he teaches that you've got to teach three basic things to your kids. Responsibility. As adults, we are responsible for actions. And I extend that in the trauma room. I'm responsible for my team. Respectful. You've got to be respectful of your fellow man or woman, regardless of race, color, creed, or religion. And that's what Marilyn taught me. Be respectful of my nurses. They will do a better job. Mm-hmm. You have to be resourceful. Now, to me, that's my better, best, faster, cheaper mantra. And then reasonable risk-taking. You've got to take risk in life, but be reasonable with them. But the risk-taking is where you advance. And then finally, regrets. Live a life without regrets. Mm. Chase your dreams. Do what you love. But there's yin and yang, lightness and darkness, good and bad with regrets. Some regrets can't be undone and may not be overcome. You know, that's the mistakes you make in life that you say you're sorry, but you feel that you still carry that burden. So those two things. And then that wrapping all that together comes to the parting thought. 
that a legacy of a life well lived is a story told of touched lives. And that's what I'm trying to do, I would say, on the backside of 50, is actually to get to those things. Ah, wonderful. Very well said, very eloquently said, and very meaningful as well. Certainly, you've inspired me today and the Cars Yow listeners, just as I knew you would. And what's the best way for our listeners to follow along with what you do? Right now, the best way is to contact me if you have any questions um, through LinkedIn. I'll be better about following that. I'm in the process of setting up my own webpage, but that's one of my many projects on the back burner, which I'm hoping in the next year will come out. But LinkedIn would be a great way to get a hold of me now. Absolutely. Well, listeners, you can find links to Stefan's LinkedIn account and everything he shared on his show notes page here on the Carjow website. Just go to carsyad.com, type in Stefan Moran, M-O-R-A-N, and you will find that page and links to everything, and you can see what he is up to. Stefan, thanks for being so generous today with your time and expertise and for sharing your experiences with me and the listeners. Until you and I talk again, I'll see you safely down the road. Thanks so much. You're welcome. What's every automotive enthusiast dream? to design and build that perfect garage. My friends at Metron Garage are a group of creative talents who've combined their passion for cars with their careers in architecture. Their service includes unique garage design and state-of-the-art fabrication. They will create the coolest custom garage for you and your vehicles. Metron Garage's system features fully engineered commercial-grade material and structural framing that's stronger than traditional construction. Their designs are pre-engineered to meet your building codes for fast, bolt-together construction. With over 25 years of experience, you'll see a 3D rendering to visualize your custom garage, and the final structure will fulfill all your storage needs. Contact Metron Garage today and begin realizing your dream garage. Go to metrongarage.com. That's metrongarage.com. Garage is built for discerning enthusiasts. Where it's not just a garage. It's where your dream garage comes true. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah.